And with those enhancements, you know, there are certain things that you couldn't have done without the 3D modeling. And now with the 3D models, you could do those things. And with the immersive environment, metaverse type of digital twin, you can do even more. On this episode of Embedded Insiders, Syed Alam, high-tech industry global lead at Accenture, examines the connection and integration of digital twins in an industrial metaverse and how companies and engineers can get started creating their own factory floor metaverse. Next, we're exploring the exploited Apache Superset data visualization and exploration tool popularized on GitHub and uncovered by the Horizon 3 research team in our exploited series. How did this happen? I'll give you a hint. The attackers used a secret key. But first, the insiders explore the widely discussed, used, and anticipated growth of the artificial intelligence chatbot, ChatGPT. Released in November 2022, the chatbot has now spanned across various industries, which further raises concerns surrounding AI and how it is impacting government, education, and multiple business sectors. But is it for better or for worse? Hello, and welcome to the Embedded Insiders. I'm Brandon Lewis, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded Computing Design, and I'm here with Rich Nass, who's the Executive Vice President and Brand Director of Embedded Computing Design as well, continuing his adventures. How go the adventures, Rich? Uh, adventurous. Well, I don't even know which adventure you're, you're referring to at this point. Just all of them. Just oh. in general. Doing pretty good in general. I'm sort of caught up at this point, so... Um, heading back out on the road again shortly, but uh, life's pretty good. Well, I'm glad to hear it because there's an, there's somebody or something coming for our jobs, right? Lock the door. <laughs> Lock the door. Get on the horse <laughs> on your adventures and ride away faster. <laughs> What's coming to take my job? Oh, chat GPT. It's, it's, it's breathing down our necks. Okay, tell me why. I mean, I was at a couple of conferences now since ChatGPT became uh, all the rave. And it is, there's always, every time a technology like this comes out and does a decent job at whatever it sets out to do, people uh, for, at first think it's cool. The second thing they, you know, first thing they do is try it out. And, and then the second thing they do is get afraid that it's going to take their job from them. Are you, number one, have you used ChatGPT yet? It depends how you define used. I've I've played around with it to to see what answers that I, I would get. Out of, you know, doing more humorous things like I asked it something about um, if if I was Ben Franklin, how would I answer this question? But it was why, why are you laughing? He's my guy, Ben Franklin. It's like, I mean, there's the well. I I guess maybe you'd take like a museum docent's job. That's another another job that's in, endangered by by. By chat GPT. I should ask how it would answer if I was Yoda, but that's for another day, I guess. <laughs> that is what I'm doing as soon as we get off of this recording. Um, After this yeah, recording, you know, that is what I'm doing. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, everybody always gets freaked out that that AI is, is going to, or, or some, some new technology will displace their job. And in this case, it, it's kind of close to home because... ChatGPT could essentially answer a bunch of questions that, that we answer or try to answer um, most of the time. But on a broader on a broader scale, 
you know, AI is, is advancing to a point where it can be used in a lot of applications. And I think it's time for some perspective. The perspective I have is that we have to remember that these are tools that need to be used by humans to be more effective, efficient, um, and clear some of the more tedious, mundane parts of their jobs from their desk. You mean like writing the... articles? <laughs> I love writing. Okay. <laughs> right answer. Go ahead. <laughs> and and also every time I because this this conversation has come up a couple of times, like I said at some of the at some of the conferences I've been been at. You know, remember at the end of the day, these are still computer programs, right? At the end of the day, a human being at some level has written an algorithm that instructs it how to make decisions. And now it, you know, that it could be make very complex decisions and and you know based on the inputs and it could be go go a long way towards reaching conclusions that you may not have expected it to reach. But it is still a program. It is not an sentient artificial intelligence. And until that time, every anything that involves creativity, anything that involves thinking air quotes outside of the box things like that i think you're safe do you agree i think that's naive to be honest with you um i I think it's far more powerful than that we have a lot of things that we can offer that it it can't it's sort of like getting an overview on everything from from what i've seen um but but it is pretty accurate in its reporting if that's the right word that's why I think that the you know you've got to use it you view these things all these technologies and tools for what they are and what they are is their tools to help us do something better. So for example, if we were doing you know if you're a re- doing research on an article from you know and it was 1985, you would go to a library or something like that. Well, now we just use the internet. The internet didn't get rid of of tech journalists, right? No, but it did get rid of encyclopedias not online ones uh okay right right but i mean if you know those back in the day when i had a report to do i would go to the library and photocopy pages and pages out of the encyclopedia and bring it home with me and then that was my research and those pages volumes and volumes of printed whatever they were aren't there anymore i don't think they shouldn't be if they are Right, because they're online, because all those pages and pages that you're photocopying that probably took you an entire day, you could now find all that stuff on the internet in a matter of minutes, maybe an hour or two. And it was right. a dime a page, you know, so on the only papers I have to deliver on my paper route to be able to do that. <laughs> but but isn't ChatGPT the same thing? Isn't ChatGPT to, to the, you know, internet-based research what the internet was to the encyclopedia yeah i think it's it's a it's a step beyond that um because it's it's actually putting it into a a form that you could you could hand in if you're a school kid and and your teacher says do a term paper on x i think you can go in there and pretty much ask it to do your term paper for you and i don't know if there's a way at this point for anybody to know whether you've actually written it yourself or not that is true. I mean, there is plagiarism checking software, but I don't know if it's built to check if <laughs> maybe ChatGPT and OpenAI are going to have to set up some sort of 
relationship with academic institutions so that there's a copy of everything that ChatGPT has created, say, stored somewhere that the school can check against. But sorry, I don't know if, if, if you know the answer to this, but if, if you ask it the same question twice, will you get an, an identical answer? I don't know. You might have to, instead of asking how Yoda would respond to something, you might have to go back and ask how Ben Franklin would respond. Yeah, that'd be, I, I mean, that would be the an easier way to determine plagiarism. But if, if you're getting a different answer every time you ask it, you're, you're never going to detect that. Well, but if you're also, if you're getting a different answer every time you ask it, then it's not very effective at what it's set out to do. Well, if you ask me a question three times, I'm going to give you three different answers. <laughs> <laughs> So, so says, remember when we used to be called the embedded experts? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think I, my personal opinion is, at least for the time being, this is an efficiency and productivity tool. It's all in how you use it. Um, so don't be, don't be afraid of it. You got to embrace it. Yeah, I, def I definitely agree with that because it, it, it can be a very helpful tool. But don't rely on it 100%. That's where you get into trouble. And don't double check my, my articles from here on out. <laughs> now, Syed Alam, high-tech industry global lead at Accenture, gives insight into the evolution of digital twins, how they're being used by engineering teams and developers in the metaverse, and the current advancements and increasing capabilities surrounding the technology. Digital twins today are are not a, a completely inherently new concept, right? I mean, yes. companies have been doing work with model-based design and model-based systems engineering for a little bit now. So this is sort of a natural progression or evolution of that. That being said, you know, with the digital twin, that is, you know, a, a replica, like you like you stated, of some physical you know, object in the real world. Um, and then being able to simulate on that and and run it through you know physics accurate environment. I'm using air quotes. Is that something that that people are already using today, or are we still looking into the future? You know, a little bit before that type of technology actually gets adopted and implemented. So it's being used already today, and from multiple angles, right? As I talk about it, uh, helping with the design helping with the, with the engineering, helping with manufacturing, and also a lot actually in, in learning and training environment also. And what we are seeing is this, this is gonna become even more mainstream uh, as we get into more complex devices, and especially from the learning perspective also, as you know, people do more work from home or hybrid environment, there are more and more use cases uh, being utilized with Digital Twin. So if you're a developer, so let's like take it down a notch from the, the broader organizational standpoint, you just covered a lot of the, the different reasons and benefits that you'd use a digital twin, but what about, you know, what about what somebody's working with? And this may differ based on what your function is as a developer or an engineer. Are we yes. thinking right now that digital twin is really just a, you know, a representation of, you know, a, a coded representation, a bunch of binary, uh, a bunch of sensor data points? Etc. of some system that does or will exist in, you know, in, in our reality, or 
Is it really like a 3D model that you think of when you think of tools like, you know, anything you get from MathWorks or ANSYS or Dassault, et cetera? Or is it both? Or is it neither? Yeah, I think it's involved, evolved into 3D model. And now, you know, we talked about it in the previous question where we are seeing it's going. And with the metaverse, it's in a completely immersive environment also, right? So I think there are advancements in the digital twin area also, right? It used to be, you know, a, a simulation or a model, then as realistic as possible in terms of 3D environment, and now in a completely immersive environment in, in a metaverse. So the capabilities are increasing to be very close to, or, or almost very similar to the physical original. So I think that's what we are seeing, you know, enhancements in, in this space also. And with those enhancements, you know, there are certain things that you, you couldn't have done without the 3D modeling. And now with the 3D models, you could do those things. And with the immersive environment, metaverse type of digital twin, you can do even more. For example, we just developed a digital twin of a semiconductor fab, a complete fab in, in metaverse. So as you can imagine, if you are hiring employees, skilled workers for, for semiconductor fab, and you can provide them training, show them videos, but it's completely different as compared to walking the fabs and actually going inside the fab and, and seeing the environment and working in that environment. And in a semiconductor fab, it's a very prohibitive thing. You cannot have a class of 30 people come into the fab. Hey, let's look at this and that. But in a completely immersive in metaverse, what we are building is you can actually have people, they walk through a CMP machine, then they're walking through, they're seeing the litho machine, they are seeing the wafer handling equipment pass by. And, uh, and they interact with in, in that environment. So the point being here is this, as these advancements happen in digital twin capabilities, especially now using metaverse kind of things, there are more and more uh, use cases are being open to benefit from this. So in terms of an industrial metaverse, why do you think this hasn't been built to date and what tools and technology skills or infrastructure is required to enable it? Yeah, that's a very good point. I think with Metaverse, with the technology is evolving now, and we are seeing actually for Metaverse, a lot of acceptance by the enterprise. If you've seen in the past, some of the technology gained uh, more adoption in the consumer world first, and then the enterprise adopted later on. In Metaverse, what we're seeing is this enterprise or businesses seeing the benefits and they are adopting at the same time as consumer, maybe in some cases faster or earlier than consumers. And uh, so in the, the past, there were not that many powerful devices to help with this thing. And now as the devices are getting more powerful, we are seeing uh, more use cases coming into play. For example, you know, we are building this metaverse uh, digital twin for the complete uh, fab to help with not only with training, uh, with also with manufacturing analytics, also remote monitoring, and then also trying to resolve you know, equipment maintenance uh, issues also. So that's a good segue into my next question. So can you tell us about the Smart Factory floor demo you've developed at Accenture, its components, and how a metaverse development stack like this would benefit individual developers, engineering teams, and entire organizations? Yeah, so what we did is this, we initially started looking at, at, at certain areas of a fab, then we thought that it would be very useful that we actually build the whole entire fab in, in Metaverse 
and have that kind of a immersive complete solution for the entire fab. And this is becoming more important for multiple reasons. There will be, uh, I think 84 new fabs or major fabs expansion that will happen over next few years. Uh, so a lot of companies are gonna think through fab expansion or building new fabs and they will need help in terms of just layout planning, equipment placing, those kind of things. So we thought it would be better to actually build an entire fab in Metaverse. And so it will help from that perspective. And uh, we have a video, we can provide the link. You can see how uh, that will help from that perspective. And that's one use case. The other use cases, as I was talking about earlier, is as a lot of these new fabs are gonna get built, a lot of new shop floor or manufacturing floor uh, employees are gonna get hired. They will need to get trained and this will be a very effective way to get uh, training because a lot of these people who are getting hired as the manufacturing comes onshore, a lot of people who are getting hired for working in a semiconductor fab environment will be working in the first time in a semiconductor fab environment. So the training in the metaverse, completely immersive environment will really help increase the, the training and, and, and upskilling of these resources also. Later on, as we get more advanced in this, this uh, manufacturing analytics uh, solution could tie into the metaverse solution also. So you can see what's happening in the fab. And uh, if you are getting the data, something happened in, in manufacturing environment and you're changing some parameters, uh, running some analytics and what will be the impact of those. And if you can see this in a digital twin environment also. So how accurate can something like this demo be compared to the real thing? It's very accurate. It depends on how much details you add, but uh, what we are seeing, we have actually reviewed it with some of the people who have worked in the fab and uh, they were very impressed. You know, they can actually even see some of the, the machine names and the model number and things like that on the machine side. They were very impressed with the details. So what do companies and engineers need to get started creating their own factory floor metaverse, for example? Yes, I mean, the, the very good question. Uh, obviously, you need a very good understanding of the, the physical environment. You need someone who understands uh, putting this into a digital environment, people with, uh, with the skill set in terms of building this uh, solution in, in, in metaverse. You obviously need the hardware, the devices, and then planning through all of this transition into a digital environment. Finally, we're diving into the exploited Apache Superset data visualization and exploration tool and discussing how attackers were able to gain access to two out of the three Apache Superset servers through an integrated fault. The Apache Superset Data Visualization and Exploration Tool has been forked more than 10,000 times on GitHub and amassed well over 50k stars on the popular code-sharing platform. But the tool was recently found to have a critical vulnerability, CVE-2023-27524, which has already been identified in more than 3,000 separate occurrences. The Horizon 3 research team discovered that two out of the three Apache Superset servers have an integrated fault that, when exposed, can cause significant damage to your complete environment. 
The servers in question are open to the public and can be logged into by bad actors trying to gain administrative privileges to change data, harvest credentials, and execute remote code. Apache Superset is based on the Flask web architecture that uses cryptographically signed session cookies. When users log in, session cookies are exchanged between the server and the user's browser, and the cookie is given a believed, randomly created secret key that's stored in a local configuration file. Knowing the secret key will give the exploiter an administrator login that can be used to compromise the system. These keys can be forged using the off-the-shelf Flask unsigned toolkit, which creates session cookies for derivatives of the username user underscore ID. The forged session cookie is then placed in a browser's local storage to give attackers unimpeded access to the code base once the web page is refreshed. Horizon.ai researchers sent the initial report to Apache Superset repository managers on October 2021, only to find that the secret key value had been rotated to a new default, change me to a complex random secret, in January 2022. A warning was also posted on a git commit. In response, the Superset team issued update 2.1 in April 2023 to prevent servers from starting up if configured with a default secret key. So, database passwords encoded with the secret key will have to re-encrypt with a new secret key. More information on managing rotating secrets using the Superset command line interface tool is available on superset.apache.org. Still, given the 3,000 known occurrences of the vulnerability impacting government, education, and private sector companies, the research team Horizon 3 recommends all Superset-reliant code bases be inspected using Superset's in-depth built-in action log. Things to look for include suspicious admin-level activities such as viewing or modifying database configurations, adding new databases, exporting data, unusual SQL lab queries, or uncommon API calls. There is also a script available on GitHub that uses the Flask unsigned toolkit to check if superset session cookies are signed with known default secret keys. Thanks for listening to this edition of Embedded Insiders. For more daily news, videos, and podcasts, visit our website at embeddedcomputing.com.